Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spoštujmo. Respect words. Ithiki dimosiografia ja tina dimetopisi tis ritorikis tumisus. Etično novinarstvo proti sovražnemu govoru. Il potere delle parole. Respect for Worten, Respect for Menschen gegen Hass. Good afternoon and welcome to the third in a series of the programs called Respect Words, where we look at the implications of and the situation surrounding hate speech. On today's program, I'll be talking to Shane O'Curry in relation to the legal situation and the need for new laws in relation to hate speech in Ireland. But first of all, part three of an interview that was conducted with uh, Caroline Reid from the Irish Refugee Council. And in this very chaotic uh, situation, because of things changing, because also in the nature in some ways of uh, social media itself, do you ha- have you planned any campaign or <laughs> uh, anything coming up? Uh, well, see, at the moment, um, the organisation, I guess, is going through a change. So we've uh, a lot less staff members and a lot of staff working on a part-time basis, so less capacity. Mm-hmm. So I guess for us it's about reprioritizing where we are and what we continue to put the limited human resources we have into it. We have been doing work around the right to work, so that would be one. Um, I did a policy paper on it. We're trying our best to get a meeting with the Department of Justice and the task force they set up. Um, so with that, there was the policy paper. We've also called out to supporters and members to like lobby at the their local level. So get onto your TDs, make it an issue for them. Um, and we would support other groups working on the same issue, like Uplift. So there'd be a bit of collaboration um, or cross work going on on campaign issues. Um, another thing we'd be wor- we have been working on is uh, the new family reunification legislation, but. I think that's more in the uh, sphere of the Oireachtas at the moment. There's some senators really running with it, so it's about supporting them. So I guess the campaign work, it can be quite visible and quite engaging with the community of supporters that are out there, or it can be that more, I guess, uh, policy-focused or giving support and advice and guidance to other people within the Oireachtas who are already taking on um, the issue. But uh, I guess with... As for a campaign, it is, I guess, at the moment, the other thing I've noticed is, say, I talked about that surge in attention in 2015, which continued into 2016, but, say, through media monitoring, you now see that there's less and less and less about refugees or maybe migrants, and it's kind of veering back towards either very neutral or slightly negative rhetoric. So it's like that kind of blaze of saturation is now like definitely it's not gone and there is flurries of it you know when different things happen or a story breaks but I think uh, that peak has been reached and now it's kind of on the on the downward trend again and obviously other things afoot in Europe start taking centre stage like Brexit would be something that you're is coming up time and time again so other issues I guess push this issue a little bit more to the side so I guess now more than ever it'll be really important to keep up I guess that discussion and awareness and keep talking about the issues so it stays at least in the Irish public's mind and I really think it has like I said um, 
I think there's a lot more awareness now than there was in 2014 and that's a combination of things um, people in the system speaking out here the response from the Irish public to what was happening in Greece and Calais teams of volunteers going over nationwide donation drives funds being raised to assist people and then when the kind of dust settled around that people then who were involved in that movement started to think about the situation here and a lot of those kind of grassroots groups that sprung up are still active they're doing solidarity dinners they're you know doing creating spaces for people to make connections and get to know uh, our, our own asylum seeker and refugee community so I think it mightn't be as in the limelight now but I think an awful lot of groundwork was done during that period which will have a longer lasting legacy Mm-hmm. I don't have more questions. So, do you think we have missed anything? Um, well, I was, I was, like, it was only my. I was thinking about this this morning when I was driving in, and I was thinking, you know, because obviously when you manage a Facebook page, when someone comments on it, you, you can click in and look at their profile, and some people are quite private, and other people have everything, you know, on show. And it's just a it's just a personal, I guess, observation that I find it really it's almost like, you know, you're observing human nature and some of the people who can be the most toxic on our page, like so anti the idea of somebody coming here to seek refuge from a different place, or maybe anti uh, a certain religion. And then when you go on their page they'll be the most staunch animal rights activist. You know, they want to stop the cruelty to animals or they'll be, you know, staunch about the protection of certain human lives. But yet that doesn't extend to all people. And I just find that a really interesting thing in human nature that you could like be so horrified that humans would mistreat an animal. But yet you've absolutely no problem with certain humans being mistreated by Yeah, by what are developed and uncivilized uh, Western mm-hmm. countries, you know. So that I don't know if that, don't know if that fits in, but I just it's no, no, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So does you wonder if uh, racism is also a question of race? Uh, no, literally, no question of ethnicity, but sometimes it's a question of class too. Because Absolutely, I mean, yeah. if, if you. I mean, you're you're still experiencing racism, but maybe not so blunt. And if you if you live and you know, if you're you have a high uh, you know a high position, or I suppose I mean Obama already have. I mean we know that it was horrible, you know. But some people say that about it. But in some ways, it's much protected, if you want to call it. Yeah. And he has more resources, and I suppose more capacity to deal with it, to deal with it if you want to. Because of his education, etc., etc. Well, obviously, if you're a vulnerable person, you're just in a country that you don't know, in using a language that is not your first language. Anything, something very, very small can be very damaging. Yeah. So, There's more vulnerabilities. Yeah. I mean, But didn't they used to say though that Clinton did more for uh, African Americans than Obama did? So that's and like that idea that because he it's the area again yeah. that he grew up, grew up in and the people that would have you know when he started out on the political uh, I guess journey road whatever you call it that it was his constituents 
as opposed to Obama, yeah. who who didn't have that kind of connection from and, the... And you have to think that sometimes it's a bit like what happened to women when they go into politics, that they become... More uh, hardliner. Yeah, more male. <laughs> <laughs> I, know that, I, I know, I don't believe in this as such, but you know, they get that kind of aggressive... Um, they have a point to prove. Or yeah. You know, yeah. they have to prove, and excuse my language, that they have the biggest balls on the table. Yeah. When it shouldn't be like that. Well, it's and like I Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May. Yeah, yeah and, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and, yeah, and then you look around and you see, and I think sometimes maybe this is this is the African-American man that has to prove that he could be as white as anyone else, you know? Yeah. Which is very disappointing. I think his wife would be a better president anyway. Now, I'm delighted to welcome to the third episode of uh, Respect Words, where we discuss the topic of hate speech. Shane O'Curry. Shane, good afternoon and welcome to Respect Words. Good afternoon, Donald. Thanks very much for having me on. You're more than welcome. Now, this um, part of the programme, or this part, this one of the series, we're going to be discussing the legal uh, situation in Ireland in relation to hate speech. But before we do that, uh, Shane, I want to, to um, read you what the United Nations and the UN Convention says in relation to he- hate speech. Because when we were designing this uh, series... We put this in, I think, as the base for all the programs. So, anyway, the United Nations defines hate speech as speech which attacks a person or group on the basis of attributes such as race, religion, ethnic origin, sexual orientation, disability or gender. Um, it says that the law may be made identify a protected group by certain characteristics in some countries hate speech is not a legal term and in some and in some it is constitutionally protected uh, in some countries a victim of hate speech may seek redress under civil law criminal law or both a website which uses hate speech may be called a hate site and uh, many of these sites contain internet forums forums and news briefs that emphasize a particular viewpoint Shane, there is no specific legislation in Ireland directed directly at hate speech. I mean, I'm looking at st- stuff here, we'd say for argument's sake, that it displays or um, incites violence or prejudice against a protected group or an individual on the basis of their membership of the group. Yes, we have legislation, but nothing that actually specifies hate speech. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're absolutely right. And you, you quoted the, the International Convention for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination there. Um, and in that respect, in, in, in respect of the clause you, you cited there, um, but also in, in respect of the recommendations of the, of the Council of Europe's European Commission on, on Racism and Interculturalism, on the European Court of Human Rights, on the Framework Convention, Convention of National Minorities on the Framework de- Directive on Racism and Xenophobia, and a whole raft of international laws. Ireland is delinquent, uh, not just in its obligations or, uh, under hate speech, but also under hate crime, which is distinct. Uh, you know, hate crime is defined as a criminal act which has a bias motivation, uh, motivated by hatred against one of the groups that you named above there. So, you, so 
Um, there, the, the, in general, the legal framework in Ireland doesn't recognise the specificity of uh, people from minorities being targeted in, by speech uh, and by hate crime. Um, and that's important because, um, because uh, hate crimes happen in a context where people are already marginalised in some ways and already discriminated against. And they act to reinforce uh, and further dehumanise people who, who are already dehumanised uh, in, in other ways, in structural ways, in institutional ways. Um, and so you have a situation where, um, where hate speech uh, can accelerate um, the vulnerability of somebody to violence. And we know that from our own research that 66% of violent hate crimes against people uh, are, are accompanied by hate speech. Um, and if you look at, you know, if you look more, more broadly and deeply and globally, um, hate speech is part of a, of a spectrum um, which, which ends in, in genocide. If you, look at the, uh, if you look at the key components in the eight stages of, of genocide, hate speech is involved in five of them, in classification, symbolization, dehumanization, denial and polarization. That is, if you start talking about ex-community in a certain way um, and you start to put them into boxes and you start to um, talk about them uh, as enemies, as unworthy of, of human treatment, uh, we're already on the road uh, to committing act of, acts of violence against them. And that's why um, the International Convention for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, which was written uh, with the Nazi Holocaust in mind, fresh in people's minds, it was only 17 years afterwards, uh, was written. And, uh, and, and so in, in that respect, Ireland is delinquent. Ireland has the only piece of legislation res resembling either hate crime laws or hate speech laws is the 1989 Prohibition of Incitement to Hatred Act. Um, which is kind of a hate speech law in, in, in one sense, but it's not. It's more specific. It's, it's about inciting to hatred. It's about, so it's not just about me saying something nasty about a particular group of people. It's about the, the burden of proof is very high. You have to prove that in me saying something nasty about a particular group of people, uh, and, and a third party was incited by that to carry out an act of violence, and that's very hard. Um, and the conviction rates since that was brought in in 1989 are very low. Um, so, so that, um, so for example, we know that since from 2000 to 2017, under the 1989 Incitement to Hatred Act, there were 44 charges brought to the district court under Incitement to Hatred Act against people, um, and uh, fewer than, uh, two of those were sent forward to trial. Uh, so that's a that's a very 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 low, and we don't know how many convictions there were under that. Anecdotal evidence suggests to us that there were zero convictions. So, it's Shane, a, it's uh, a wholly just, piece of legislation. Just yeah. in relation to that, uh, there's sort of there's one thing I want to put it put to you, but I'll put it in three ways if you if you know what I mean. Number one, quite correctly, you said that the 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 incitement to hatred contains a lot of of, of what we were talking about. Could I also suggest to you that some aspects of the Public Order Act contain uh, 
breaches or people could be guilty of hate speech by breaching some some uh, parts of the Public Order Act. And also, um, which is a strange one I know, Shane, is the Defamation Act, where, where part of it says that uh, if you say something that lowers the uh, opinion of a group in relation to another person, if you say something that lowers their standing in the eyes of other people, that you're guilty of the Defamation Act. And I suppose, Shane, what I'm really coming at is that if those three things, if the, if, if the part of hate speech that's in the Incitement to Hatred Act, if the part that's in the Public Order Act, and if that part that's in the um, the Defamation Act as it is applied, if they were taken out of that and put into an actual hate speech act, we can, let's call it the Hate Speech Act of 2018, is, is that really what we need in this country at this stage? Well, I think, I, well, I'm not, a, I have to say, I'm not a legal expert, right? So we're, you know, in Ireland, which I'm the director of, is involved in, in monitoring and giving policy advice. So I, I, I wouldn't, I, I would hesitate before advocating a particular path for doing this. Uh, but as you, you quite rightly point out, the Public Order Act can and has been used successfully against, uh, against instances of, of hate speech. And in the absence of hate speech laws, we would urge people to use that, and we would urge on Garda Shiokana to use that, um, because uh, because that that is precisely what what hate speech can do. It can it can lead to a breakdown in public order. Um, the Defamation Act. I'm I, I I know that there there is some interest in exploring the possibility of enhancing that function of the Defamate, Defamation Act. That is the group defamation. Um, and I'm not sure how strong the existing group defamation function of that act is at the moment. My impression is is that it doesn't really work. So um, I think um, one of the things, and, and one of the reasons that we're we're arguing for hate crime laws, um, and but I think the same applies for hate speech laws, is that if you if you draft a specific law and you uh, and then you embed it in a, in in a set of protocols and, and you know, and trainings for guardie, trainings for broadcasters, etc. Um, then you draw attention to a phenomenon. You give recognition to a phenomenon that is that is dangerous, and you're and you're pointing it out as something that's undesirable. Um, and it makes it uh, so it makes it less acceptable, um, and it makes it easy. It makes it easy to point out and and deal with. So for that reason, if for that reason alone, it's a good idea to have hate speech laws. Yeah. Um, then, of course, then you know you also have, you know, the BAI and Press Council uh, guidelines, um, and uh, and there are social social media guidelines uh, published by the European Commission uh, under the Code of Conduct. Um, so these these are all instruments that people can use, um, but we are, you know, but in Ireland we we say that the full you know the the uh, you know to come back to the to the convention on the elimination of racial discrimination which you cited at the beginning there if we were to Im- if we were to implement that fully which we haven't um then it w- then we would also be covered by hate speech laws in Ireland yeah and i suppose the point about it too Shane is that you know the people a lot of the time when, when they 
they hear about you know hate speech and as I said the respect for words and all that they automatically think of minority groups coming into the country from Eastern Europe from Africa from other places like that but that may not necessarily be so because I mean we have heard stories and anecdotal uh, evidence exists of homeless people who are being abused and threatened and insulted and are the subject of hate speech. we well aware of uh, situations in relation to itinerants. So, I mean, people would want to, uh, you know, they'd want to be aware of the fact that this is not, this, this can be directed towards Irish citizens as quick as anything else. Oh, well, it is. I mean, um, you know, and the reality is, is that we're now, you know, we're now getting to the point where the, the majority of people from a minority background in Ireland are going to be Irish citizens. Um, you know, we're in, where people are in the in the second generation. You know, there have been ethnic minority Irish people for a long time, um, and there are more of them now. And you know, and they include, as you point out, travellers. Um, and there's a famous case uh, from a couple of years ago of a of a of a local county councillor um, who um, who said who objected to. A, a, a traveller-specific accommodation being built in the part of the country and, um, and engaged in what can only be called hate speech, um, you know, suggesting that they were all criminals and that they were undesirables and he wouldn't want them living next door to him and so on and so forth. Um, and the house that was built for this family was burnt out the next day. Um, and, and, you know, and there was a clear cut of incitement to hatred. Of, you know, of person A saying something that was insightful person B being incited and, and carrying out a criminal act, uh, a very violent criminal act. Uh, and yes, um, and, and yes, the Director of Public Prosecutions um, found that it would be too difficult to secure a conviction and so, so, rejected, the, so rejected the charge. Um, and, um, so we are in a, we're in a situation where um, people from you know, people in Ireland from all kinds of minority backgrounds are more vulnerable than the rest of us to acts of hate speech and their violent consequences than than the rest of us. And, and that cannot stand, because what it means is that you have a whole tier of people who experience life differently than the rest of us, who um, can't, uh, can't go about their daily business the same as the rest of us. Um, and, uh, you know, suffer all kinds of consequences as, as, as a result in terms of mental health, in terms of their confidence, in terms of their ability to get jobs, in terms of their safety in coming home, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, if we're to, you know, if we're to call ourselves a republic of equals, uh, then we can't allow that to stand and we need to have laws in place that protect people um, from this this type of um, toxic discourse. Shane, how hopeful are you, or where are we in relation, how near are we to getting legislation which is, I suppose, all encapsulating and simplifying? I mean, I I have long been of the uh, the belief that we have had way too much much law and very little order in this country. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think that's a difficult question to, to answer. There is, there is a private member's bill on, on hate crime that we are working closely with um, people from all of the political parties to get passed in the Oireachtas. 
Um, no, that would be the first thing. That isn't a hate speech law, it's a hate crime law. Um, but I think that once you have a hate crime law in place, the logic of a hate speech law uh, may, be, may become more apparent. Uh, and that gap uh, will be something that can be addressed. I also think that there has been a shift, um, and, and it, there's been a shift in the four years that I have worked for in our Ireland in the attitudes of social media platforms, and I think that that's very telling. Um, I think that social media platforms started off with this very um, uh, this very principled of, of holding holding free speech up on a on a pedestal as an absolute um, uh, you know as an absolute principle, um, and they've now come to come to the realization that if you do that, um, if you do that in the context where the playing field is uneven and where there's nastiness and toxicity, then you you enable the bullies and the racists and the homophobes and the misogynists, um, and they can round on people. And then so suddenly platforms that were intended to be about democratizing uh, the ability to publish and share opinions and share uh, become... Um, virtual, you know, lynch, lynch settings uh, where people from minority backgrounds are silenced. So far from being democratic, where people can, where people can publish at will, people from minority backgrounds are silenced and, and cannot participate equally. Shane, just before you uh, just before you yeah. continue with that point, and it's something yeah. I was going to come to at a later at a later yeah. stage of our chat, but we, we, we can we can touch on it now. Insofar as the internet and social media is concerned, do you think that people generally who post on these uh, social media sites that they are aware of the fact that you know the law governs them exactly the same way as if they were uh, a reporter and for a newspaper and uh, writing a column for a newspaper? Um, I think I think that people aren't aware of that. I mean, I think that people, you know, there'd be some variation in that. I think that they may not be aware of the consequences of what they're doing. Uh, and in some ways, there's a parallel. Um, you know, there's the you know people hiding behind the safety of their keyboards in the anonymity of of uh, uh, of the chat room um, can say all kinds of vile things. Yeah. So I think I think it's. Um, I think you're right. There is a there is a lack of awareness, and, and proper, robust legislation can send a signal to society that this kind of behaviour is 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 unacceptable, um, because it has very very real consequences for people. So, uh, just to come back to my point, I was saying that um, social media platforms are now coming to realise that they can't be neutral in in this um, if they are. If they are to fulfil their mission, uh, which is to provide a, a platform for everyone to 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 share equally, um, that they have to uh, they have to redress the toxicity and the violence and uh, and the skewed things. So, um, and I'm very gratified for that because I think that um, you can't hold free speech up as a principle um, in an unqualified way without understanding the nuance and, and the consequences of it. Um, and in fact, many European countries have laws, uh, and rightly so, which curb speech in subtle but justified ways, in my opinion. So, you know, defamation is one is one way. Of course, you can't just go around making allegations about somebody. Um, defamation is one way. Uh, hate speech is another way. Um, another one which is common 
in you know particularly in Germany and Austria and other European countries is Holocaust denial. Um, it's illegal to deny or diminish the Holocaust uh, because to do so uh, is to prepare the ground for its justification, uh, and that is that's something that that those societies, for for very understandable reasons, find completely unacceptable. Um, and so there's there's very good reasons uh, for having uh, very fine instruments uh, for curbing uh, curbing the principle of freedom of speech in, in very subtle ways. And, and of course, you need checks and balances to make sure that that isn't abused. Um, but I think that that's something that we will need to see if we are to if we're going to be able to continue. Um, to have the vision of a society that's equal for all people. Shane O'Curry from Ear Media Monitoring uh, Services and uh, giving us an overview on the law, or should I say the lack of law. Thank you so much for joining us on Respect Words. Thank you, Donald. Thanks. Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spostuimo. Respect Words. Ithiki Dimosiografia για την αντιμετώπιση της ρητορικής του μίσους. And my thanks to Caroline Reed from the Irish Refugee Council. Respect for Worten. And Shane O'Curry from Inar, Ireland. My thanks to you for joining us on this, the third episode of Respect Wars. Do tune in again for the next episode. La Onda Local de Andalucía contra los discursos de odio. Mas or Ogo? Irish-Sorokta et de Kuhl, Iguina Kainta Fuha. Ethical journalism against hate speech. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.